0: Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for September 28th, I'm Melissa Davlin. Late last week, University of Idaho's General Counsel sent an email to all employees advising them not to discuss, promote, or make referrals for abortion or birth control, lest they run afoul of the No Public Funds for Abortion Act, a state law passed in 2021 that prohibits the use of public assets or employees to promote or provide abortion services. Penalties for violating the law include potential felony or misdemeanor convictions, mandatory reimbursements of funds used in violation of the law, loss of state employment, and permanent ban from future state employment. Joining me to discuss the memo and possible First Amendment implications with the law is former Idaho Supreme Court Justice and former Attorney General Jim Jones. Thank you so much for joining us. What was your initial impression of the memo?
1: Well, the memo seems to have gotten a little bit uh, too overprotective of what people can do, but I think it had the desired effect of the drafters of the legislation to cause people to err on the side of, uh, you know, safety because, uh, you know, the penalties are pretty strict. Uh, You can lose your job. You can be subjected to uh, criminal prosecution. And I think it's just primarily a matter of intimidation, uh, trying to keep people from even broaching the subject.
0: The legislature passed this law in 2021, almost two years ago. Why are we seeing this pop up now?
1: Well, I think uh, the higher education institutions are looking at the array of statutes that have been passed by the legislature, not only with regard to abortion, but with regard to critical race theory, the idea of uh, book banning and all that kind of stuff. And I think they're saying, you know, we could have our funding impacted if we don't err on the side of safety. And so I think that was probably the impetus for this. And um, I think that was the intended effect of the legislators who passed these various bills.
0: But should professors be advising students on birth control options or abortion in the first place?
1: I would doubt that that is happening. Um, I don't know that the instigators of the legislation even looked into that. The testimony was all against the bill when it came up. Nobody stepped forward to say this is happening. Um, I think it's just a matter of trying to curry votes and trying to raise the specter that there's something wrong going on in our universities.
0: The No Public Funds for Abortion Act has gotten a lot of attention for the University of Idaho memo, but this is a law that applies to all state agencies, all government entities in Idaho. How might this affect other state agencies?
1: Well, I think it is designed to create confusion in other entities, Uh, for instance, public radio and public television. Uh, Because what can you say on air? Uh, If you say something that might be interpreted as being uh, uh, pro-abortion, you could have somebody uh, make a complaint uh, and try to get you prosecuted. It may not, uh, uh, you know, result in a conviction or anything, but, you know, it it has a really dampening effect on discussion
0: and i'm glad you brought that up because that is a conversation we have had since this ui memo came out i as the host of a program and as a reporter i'm not going to be advocating for abortion one way or the other but if i have a if i have a guest on from planned parenthood for example who's talking about Um, abortion access funds used to take Idaho patients from this state to say Walla Walla or other parts of the West where abortion is available and that is something that is happening by the way could I be in trouble for having that guest on the program and then airing that because we are a state agency
1: well I think that somebody could make a complaint that uh, you had a guest on who was promoting abortion, and so you must have uh, been complicit in it. And the complaint could be made, and you know, the whole idea is to keep you quiet about it, to not even broach the subject. And I think that has really uh, serious uh, First Amendment implications. And it, it, it has implications for, you know, what are we going to be able to talk about? You can talk about uh, any number of subjects that would be pro life because the legislation do. doesn't talk about that. But if you get into the other side of the issue, you know, uh, even talking about protecting pregnant women in the Uh, setting of the emergency room when somebody comes in with a pregnancy gone bad. Uh, Perhaps uh, if you say, well maybe in this instance there should be some medical care, you could maybe get into a whole heap of trouble.
0: And that's interesting because we have had multiple guests on who have talked about their anti-abortion views including uh, one of the sponsors of this bill who talked about his views on abortion and how glad he is that Roe v. Wade has been overturned but it just takes one potential guest and I'm thinking too of the debates that we're going to we're going to have in October where we're going to uh, abortion will inevitably come up and even if almost all of the candidates on the stage are anti-abortion if we have just one guest on public television, on a statewide broadcast, saying that I am for abortion access, that could potentially get me in trouble as lead producer and maybe even other employees who are involved in the broadcast, potentially.
1: Yeah, and quite frankly, I think this law has a number of unconstitutional elements and uh, any number of other laws that have been passed in the culture war era. And it's like I told uh, somebody who wanted me to talk about critical race theory down in the Magic Valley. Uh, I said, well, the statute is clearly unconstitutional. Uh, They don't even uh, define it.
0: Define what critical race theory is. Right.
1: But the problem is, that uh, if you do that in a public arena uh, with a public agency, uh, you could have the complaint filed, you could maybe have a prosecutor file suit or file charges, and uh, it would be a slam dunk for you to be able to uh, resist it in court But there you are having to uh, hire an attorney, incur fees, and nobody wants to do that. I mean, doctors under the uh, vigilante law for abortion could easily defeat uh, a prosecution uh, by a prosecutor who's overzealous, but it gets your name in the paper, Uh, You incur fees, um, and you can't get them back from the court under the statute if you're defending. So what do you do? It's a matter of saying, keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about these subjects, and that's a dangerous thing for the government to be getting into.
0: Your First Amendment concerns seem to be primarily with the, the law itself, the No Public Funds for Abortion Act. Do you have concerns with University of Idaho's interpretation of the law and the instructions given to its employees? Or are they erring on the side of safety to protect them?
1: Well, I think in a number of respects, the guidance given by the general counsel um, are too uh, restrictive, but I think that Uh, the whole intent of the drafters of the legislation was to require people to be cautious, uh, to keep their mouths shut, and to give uh, guidance that might be overly protective. You know, it's really an odd thing to think that if you're a doctor in the emergency room or if you're a professor in the classroom that you have to drag in a lawyer to tell you what you can and cannot say without getting into trouble. But I think that's the whole intent. The drafters of these types of bills want to lay as many landmines as they can around the uh, uh, landscape so that people shut their mouths and don't talk about things that probably should be discussed.
0: But this doesn't prevent employees, it doesn't prevent citizens from talking about it, it just prevents them from doing it on the clock with state resources. Right, Yeah. So, so is, is there really a problem there if that's not in their job purview?
1: Well, you know, you get into the discussion that uh, has happened with a lot of things that employees do off of the clock. <clears throat> you know, were you speaking on behalf? If, if you say that I'm an employee of the such-and-such such department, and this is my own view, but just by mentioning that or having somebody mention the fact that you work at some state agency, uh, you could be getting yourself in trouble. It's kind of like, you know, we've got a no smoking ban at the office. If you smoke at home, is that a violation? Or a no politics ban at the office. Um, If you speak out in your off hours and somebody says, you shouldn't be talking like that, and uh, the boss brings you in and says, "Uh, you looked like you were speaking on behalf of the department. You know, you get into a lot of gradations where people are gonna get into trouble or get their agency in trouble when they have no intention of doing so.
0: Considering the law, what advice would you give to University of Idaho employees?
1: I think I would use the language of the statute. I think I would tell them that this bill has serious uh, constitutional implications, but that if you step beyond these defined borders, uh, there could be a problem. Um, If you need advice, check with the Office of General Counsel and we'll try to give you more clear advice. Um, and, And I think Uh, Another thing that could be done, and this was done uh, several times during my uh, administration as Attorney General, Uh, people would ask for an official uh, opinion from the Attorney General if a certain uh, state policy was uh, to be followed. Uh, And it was, the one I can recall was in the tax. Arena. I was asked if a tax provision was uh, enforceable or not. I did an opinion, said it was not. So I think that uh, uh, instead of just having the general counsel of uh, some state agency saying this is what the sit- situation is, I think uh, the agency could ask for an official opinion from the Attorney General. And if you had an attorney general who was bound by the law uh, that person could give guidance as to what you could or could not do.
0: And because we did mention the debates earlier and because there is an election coming up I do want to mention that you have endorsed one of the attorney general candidates, Tom Arcouche, who is the Democratic nominee Mm -hmm. um, and is facing Republican Raul Labrador in the general election. Regardless of who is elected in November, whether it's Labrador or Arcoosh, do you think either one would give very different advice from what they might receive under the last months of Wasden's administration?
1: I think that they would take a very different look at the office. Uh, <clears throat> you know, my candidate, Tom Arcoosh, has said he would follow the law wherever it takes him. Uh, this his, law
0: says though that talking about this could get somebody in trouble.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think he would give the kind of uh, opinion that I was just talking about, talking about the um, constitutional implications and, and here's what you can and cannot do. That would give the general counsel at the U of I some comfort and maybe cause him to walk, him or her, to walk back some of this overly cautious interpretation. Um, I'm not sure what Mr. Labrador would do. I, you know, he said he would run a political operation, but who knows?
0: Any idea what implications this might have for the Whammy program? Where medical students yeah, from Idaho?
1: I, I don't know. I I think it could have an impact. <clears throat> I mean, their instruction is primarily out of state. But uses come.
0: Idaho taxpayer funds.
1: Well, that's true. Um, it would I think cause a real dilemma. I don't know that we can uh, give our laws extra. Territorial effect but uh, I think it would i think it would cause those students some real uh heartburn you know the the problem I see is talking to a lot of physicians emergency room uh physicians and so on. They are extremely concerned about this whole range of statutes because um uh, you know. It creates a situation where you almost have to have a lawyer hooked at your elbow to determine what you can do, what you can say. And, you know, if you work at a, a publicly financed facility, are you get going to get into trouble? Or do you just leave and go to Washington, Oregon, or California, or someplace where you're not going to be facing all these kinds of hurdles?
0: former Idaho Supreme Court Chief Justice and former Idaho Attorney General Jim Jones. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure enough. And thank you for listening. The new broadcast season of Idaho Reports starts next Friday, October 7th at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. The Idaho debates also begin next week with the face-off for Attorney General candidates, Raul Labrador and Tom Arcouche, airing October 3rd at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, and the U.S. Senate debate with candidates Senator Mike Crapo, David Roth, and Scott O. Cleveland airing October 4th at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Pacific. Find our full schedule as well as our online content at idahoptv.org.